0: Before I get started, I just wanted to remind everybody listening that the audio-only versions are available on Apple Podcast and Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> to be honest, I'm a little unsure about sharing this. I don't love the solo podcast and... Actually, fuck it. I'll be honest. I am scared of sharing this. I'll admit it. I don't know if it's too personal or too depressing, but... The fact that I'm scared of doing it makes me think it's something I should do. Fear is such a weak emotion, that's why I despise it. Second, one of the guiding principles in my life is that you go through something to save someone. I first heard the pastor at the First African Baptist Church in Savannah, Georgia say that. When I'm traveling, when I can, I like to make it a point to make it to a nearby church on a Sunday morning. I feel like it gives you a real taste of what life is like in that community. I was 22 when I heard that, and I was at a point in my life when I was really struggling with the idea, the question of, why does so much bad shit happen in this world? And I never got an answer, and I don't think I ever will. But when I'm going through something, or I see someone going through something, I think of that quote. And it provides me a little comfort knowing that however pointless and unnecessary the trouble and strife that I'm facing at the time is, I guess it motivates me to think, hey, I'm going to figure this shit out, and maybe one day I'll be able to help someone else, when they're going through it, suffer a little less. Now, I wish I could say life has been throwing me left hooks recently, but it feels more like five people are sucker punch me whenever they see fit. When I take a step back and I look how everything is going... I honestly can't help but shake my head and laugh, and and I don't mean that as a figure of speech. The writer in me looks at what's happening in my life, and I think, if if I put this in a screenplay, people would not believe the timing. Like, I know, bad shit happens to everyone. But you're going to tell me the same week the almighty YouTube algorithm decides to shelve my channel, completely derailing my career with it, I'm going to get water in my basement, my car isn't going to pass inspection, and oh yeah, that new baby of mine that hasn't let me sleep in a month, she's going to need emergency surgery. By the way, Ed, good luck figuring out that the burning in your chest isn't an impending heart attack due to the overwhelming anxiety you're experiencing for the first time in your life but it's that God decided it was a great time to give you your first dose of heartburn and you won't figure out what it is until after a few very expensive tricks to the cardiologist yourself because the healthcare of the government forced you to sign up for it. The threat of a fine isn't actually supposed to work for you since you're not supposed to need it. Things are going great, guys. Just great. At this stage of the game, if you're listening to this little podcast in my tiny corner of the internet, and I know you guys are the ones that are really rocking with me. And I know I had to step away for a little bit, going radio silence on y'all. And I feel like I at least owe you guys a bit of an explanation as to why. But, more importantly, I want to share the something I went through. You know, you go through something to save someone. I wanted to share my something in hopes of maybe saving someone else, if not now, maybe sometime in the future. The thing is, you know me, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, and I was and I was in a place that I don't want to say is dark, because when I think of dark, I think of depression. I was in a place that felt very loud and chaotic, and that place was an anxiety that I have never felt before. Like, the world was just spinning out of control, and anything I tried to do only produced bad results. And if my rambling here can resonate with just one person and get them out of that horrible place, or at least let them know that their feelings aren't unique, then it's worth sharing. Because that's the exact thing that happened to me. I found something on someone's tiny Instagram page, in someone's tiny corner of the internet, that I'll get to in a second, or later, not a second, you know me, I can ramble, but honestly, when I saw that post, I think it was the first time in a long time, and by a long time I mean like a month, and that's the thing, when you're, when you're going through hell, a month feels like eternity, but someone on their little corner of the internet shared their personal struggle, and it was the first time in a long time that I was reminded that I wasn't crazy, this story starts when I went and got myself a beautiful little baby girl. I wanted to name her Juanita, but apparently everyone thought that was a bad idea because there's not a shred of Latino in me or her mother. They said, you can't culturally appropriate that name. And I said, y'all are being racist. Everyone thinks their kid's being special. But I, if I had a half Irish and half Armenian named Juanita, she would actually be unique. I bet dollars to donuts she'd be the only Juanita that looked like that in the entire world. Plus, it's a beautiful name. Juanita. Juanita Rose. Are you kidding me? Needless to say, it was a battle I lost in real life. But I can still call her that. Not only on this podcast, but when her mom's not around. And my plan is, if I do it enough, you know, like Inception, when she's old enough, she'll just identify as Juanita and I will win. Now... Juanita has been keeping us on her toes since before she was born. I'm not going to get in the weeds with all this medical jargon, so for the sake of this podcast, let's just say she's got a big heart. And it would turn out, actually, that she got it from her daddy, but more on that later. But we were told that they wanted to monitor her her heart throughout the pregnancy. We were told it would be best if she was born at the Children's Hospital And so we went to all these appointments and learned all about how it would go and scheduled an induction date, I think that's the word, induce, induction, yeah. You know, when they like basically forced the pregnancy. And You got to understand something. I know absolutely nothing about this stuff at the time. I'm an expert now. (laughs) But anyway, two weeks before she was supposed to be induced, Right? Yeah. That's that's how you use that word. Two weeks before she was scheduled to be born, Juanita decided to ruin a nice little Saturday I had planned for myself. I was going to play tennis. I was going to go see a concert. I was going to have myself a nice little weekend before I strapped in with this, you know, the newborn life. And Juanita decided to give us a surprise visit. Literally, I was walking out the door with my tennis racket in hand. Now, you got to understand something. Again... I know absolutely jack shit about babies and everything that comes with them. Fun fact that I learned is that children's hospitals don't have maternity wards. In a pregnancy, the patient is the mother, who is an adult, typically at least. Actually, that makes me wonder if you, know, you have a child, I'm sorry, if somebody under the age of 18 is having a baby. Could they go to the children's... Oh, no, of course. I mean, they could always go there. We were going to go there. But it would be... It's just they don't have maternity wards because in general, they don't go to children's hospitals to have babies. Quick side story, because you know I like to get on tangents. That reminds me, again, why I love driving Uber. You just see things all walks of life... I drove this woman. I'll never forget this. She was going to see her mother. I wrote it down. I, I've, she had said she had just become a great grandmother, and she was seeing a, her great great her mom, who was now a great great. I, I I forget all the logistics, but it was something where the ages and the timing just didn't add up, and we got to talking. And this woman relayed the story that. When she was born, her parents were 12 and 13 years old. Uh, the the Her mom had a, a stomach ache, or what she thought was a stomach ache. They didn't even know she was pregnant. Went to the doctor, and uh, the doctor was like, uh, this isn't a stomach ache, you're pregnant. Anyway... That's a little side note. Back to the story. (laughs) Everyone's got something, man. That's like, that's the biggest takeaway, I think. You know, not the biggest. It's one of the takeaways, I think, from, uh, you know, this this stage of my life and being in the hospital so much and all this kind of stuff. Like, everyone's got something, man. And and it, it really, it makes me... Not rethink my content, but it reminds me how important content is. But I want to talk about that more a little later because I got a personal story of of how it relates to that. Anyway, back to the story. Since Juanita decided to ruin my Saturday and come early, there was nobody at the children's hospital to deliver her. So we just had to go to the one nearby. And this is why I am not a planner. All that time we spent planning something as unpredictable as a fucking childbirth, was a complete waste. So anyway, we go to Riddle, Delaware County staple. Shout out to the Granite Run Mall, rest in peace. We're getting ready to pop this thing out, and a nurse comes in and says she just talked to the children's hospital. Got up to speed with Juanita's situation, and after she is born, she's going to have to be immediately transported there. Now, I was a psych minor in college. Not major, minor. But I remember I took this one class about Baby development, basically, and I retained very little information from it because I had no interest in babies and wasn't planning on having one anytime soon. But I remember the professor talking about after the child's born, the mother holding the baby, skin-to-skin contact, and uh, something about how important it was and how, I don't know. But all I remember thinking is, all right, by the time I have a baby of, of my own, there's no chance I remember all this information. Specifically, but the takeaway is, mom holding baby after birth, good. So, do that. With that in mind, I asked the nurse if this transport was a recommendation or a requirement. And the nurse looked at me with probably the most scared face I'd seen in a long time. And said, absolutely, it is a requirement. And I said, well, she'll be able to hold her, right? Again super concerned look on her face we'll have to see how the baby looks when she comes out and naturally that scared the absolute shit out of me as if the look on her face didn't already spell out the worst case scenario the thought of a full-term pregnancy and not even holding the baby that is a trauma that uh, that's the kind of trauma that changes people to say the least I tried my best to hide my fear and I'm glad I did because my girlfriend would tell me later that she didn't pick up on the implication of what the nurse was actually saying to us. I I, I guess she was a little busy uh, you know, with contractions and all that other stuff going on, but I was pretty jacked up going into this thing. I kept it cool though and fortunately she didn't pick up on that either. Again, I think she was busy worrying about something else. I don't think I'm as... As cool as a cucumber as I like to imagine. But anyway, when the process started, it was so wild that anything I was worried about just went away. And I was just so stuck in the moment. I watched the whole thing, by the way. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I know some guys pass out, but I just thought it was amazing. Anyway, they took Juanita to the side. They're cleaning her off. And they said that she's looking good. And that mom would be able to hold her. And that was all I wanted to hear that day at the hospital. Whatever happened next, we'll deal with it. But I felt like my prayers were answered. And then the nurse says, Oh my gosh, she has strawberry blonde hair and blue eyes. Both me and my girlfriend have brown hair and brown eyes. My girlfriend turns to me and says, I swear it's yours. Solid joke, or so I thought but the entire room got so uncomfortable. The nurses and the doctor wouldn't look us in the eye for the next 5 minutes. They were legit nervous. Me and my girlfriend fiance, sorry, I keep forgetting to say that. We look at each other like uh yikes, it's a little stuffy in here. And it you know, it makes you wonder like how many times have they actually seen that happen? Anyway, they let my fiancé... I think part of the reason I forget to say is I, I hate that word. It sounds so... It's too much, fiancé. Anyway, they let my fiancé hold Juanita, and for a good amount of time, too. So we were feeling pretty good about things. My girlfriend had to stay in the hospital overnight. I guess that's typical. So when they transfer Juanita to the children's hospital... I went there with her, all by my lonesome, and I still joke to this day that I was a single father for the first 24 hours. I get to the children's hospital at like, I don't know, 9 or 10 at night, and I strap in for staying there for, we didn't know how long, in a room that you're not allowed to sleep in, it's just a chair, so I'm like, oh my god, it is going to be a long night. After a hell of a day, to say the least. Now, I'm not representing all men or parents when I say this, but I have to admit, for me personally, this whole newborn thing uh, was a bit overrated. And in my defense, when I say overrated, I'm comparing it to the standard that everyone says is it's the most life-changing, exhilarating thing in the entire world. And uh, I don't know, I've... Maybe I've lived a wild and crazy life, but I have a lot of experiences that, uh, top standing next to something that, uh, you know, can't even, can't even look you in the eye, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, um, I, I, I liked her. You know, she was mine. She was cool. But um, I don't know. I didn't have that moment where I was like, this is it. My my whole life makes sense now. I just didn't have that. And uh, to be honest, the more I brought, the more I shared this with guys, when I'm honest, and this is why I'm comfortable sharing this now, I think a lot of guys feel the same way. I think uh, a lot of guys, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure a lot of guys do feel that. Um, but I think a lot of guys are scared to admit where they're like, hey, uh, yeah. I know mom just had this thing inside of her for nine months, but I'm just meeting this. And uh, to be honest, goldfish are a little more uh, talented and entertaining than this thing that's just laying here. (laughs) Juanita, if I don't delete this by the time you're old enough to figure out how to sneak onto the internet behind my back, because I'm not going to let you on it until you are out of my house. Know that I loved you from the beginning. It's just that you got a lot cooler as you got older. So there I was, standing next to her bedside, all by my lonesome with not much to do because newborns are not the best conversationalist. And the nurse noticed I kept checking my phone to see the Phillies score. They were playing in the wild card that night against the Cardinals. So eventually, he called me over to his desk saying he's not supposed to do this. But as long as I kept it on the DL, he'd be cool. And he brought the game up on his laptop so that I could have something to watch. It was something I'll never forget. Because after a day like that, standing in the NICU with a baby that I just met strapped to all these monitors, unsure of a whole lot of things, watching the Phillies win was like this little glimmer of hope or entertainment or escape or whatever you want to call it. And every now and then I see comments on social media like snarky comments of people basically shitting on sports fans saying things like imagine caring so much about millionaires playing a child's game. What's that quote they always say something like um the emperor the emperor gives the masses a circus to distract them from how he's ruling the the, the kingdom. That's it. The emperor gives the masses a circus To distract the masses from how he's ruling the kingdom. Sports being the circus. The funny thing is, I actually agree with them. Like, I I fully recognize how ridiculous it is for me to care about a game that I'm not even playing in. A game with arbitrary rules and zero actual consequence. That is, if you're not betting, which, since the hospital wasn't Delaware, unfortunately, I was unable to capitalize off the Phillies victory. But I recognize how inconsequential these games are. But that enjoyment and the escape and the camaraderie with the nurse that sports brought, like, honestly, it reminded me the power of content. You know, I can really pick apart things on my channel sometimes, like how traffic tickets are, the demise of American society, or how the gig economy is an impending doom for the middle and lower class, that nobody seems to be talking about. And I think it's good to be aware of those things. It's good to be aware of political issues and cultural issues and this and that and the other. But I was reminded with, it was like the most stark reminder of how necessary and fun a pointless escape can be. How how content can be so mindless and inconsequential and unimportant and at the same time very necessary and i'm going to try to remember that moving forward that you know people just need a laugh every now and then you know so anyway uh we ended up staying at the hospital for four or five days maybe and we got nothing but good news it was weird man everyone uh always says the the shocking thing about having a baby i've heard this from so many people is you know you go to the hospital you have the baby and then they just let you leave they don't give you instruction, you know, they, they don't give you anything. And that was not my experience at all. I didn't change or feed the thing for the first four days. The nurses did it. Actually, strike that, I changed one diaper because the guy wanted to basically give me a, a training session of how to do that, like like practice. We're talking about practice. And And actually, going back to the importance of sports, it turns out I got to talking with the nurse that gave me the diaper training. And he knew people that I knew and we pieced it together um that we had a mutual friend and we actually we found out, we realized that we had watched the Eagles Super Bowl parade at a mutual friend's apartment five years ago together. And when I texted that mutual friend to tell him that, he ended up sending me a picture from that day with me and that nurse in the background. Like, what a coincidence, you know? And, again, it just, like, reiter- reiterated the, the value of entertainment, so to speak. Bringing people together like that over over something so inconsequential and fun. Um, but that, that was... That, that, I digress. I, that wasn't a fart there, if you heard that. That was my chair. So, anyway, we finally leave the hospital, and I remember thinking... I have never been so excited to do chores. Like I just wanted to get home and do dishes and do laundry and do all the normal things that I usually complain about. But now that I get to do in my own house, just get my life moving again. And I was doing good. When people ask me, uh, you know, I have friends who don't have kids and they ask me like for my take because they know I'll be honest and I won't give that overrated, this is the most life-changing thing that ever happened to me. Uh, what it's like being a parent. I channel my answer from that. And again, just to be clear, just to be clear, nothing wrong if you feel like it's the life-changing moment. I'm just saying, I just, I just want to be the voice For the people who don't feel like it's not the life changing moment because I feel like I, at times, that person has been made out to be, you know, unaffectionate or uncaring or, you know, they don't like parenting or whatever it is. And I think that's a bunch of shit. I think that, uh, you know, people react differently to change and and. You know, people react differently to different things. So I just want to be a voice for the people to know you are not a complete psychopath. So anyway, when people ask me about what's it like being a parent, I channel my answer from that one month window. And yeah, the sleep was an absolute pain in the ass, but it's manageable. Everyone in the entire world that's ever had a kid has managed it. Um, But there was even one point I remember saying to my fiancé that, hey, we should have another. These things aren't that bad. At least not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. But then we had our one month follow-up and that's when everything changed for me. The thing they were monitoring took a turn for the worse and it wasn't like we needed uh, emergency surgery. It wasn't like they needed her in surgery right now. Um, but it was, we aren't going to do surgery now because it's Friday afternoon, but we're going to need her back here on Monday morning kind of thing. And after that, it just seemed like we kept getting bad bad news after bad news, after bad news, talking about genetics, talking about how her big old heart came from me and I had to get my big old heart checked out and just... It got to the point where even when we were getting good news, it was almost like we were waiting for the pin to drop or the other shoe to drop, whatever the expression is. Um I'm not going to go into details with all this, not only because it's a pretty unique and specific situation and therefore most likely irrelevant to anyone listening, but also for my sake, your boy here... Gave himself a layman's degree in heart issues. And just like what I learned back in psychology class, I like to take that information I have and stash it away, only recalling it when necessary. Because I'm the type of person, when I start thinking about something, I can't stop and it'll just lead me down another rabbit hole, wondering about more things. And I don't need to go back down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> you have to understand something about me. I am a delusional Optimist. The whole time we were monitoring the thing through the pregnancy, I thought it was much ado about nothing. And again, for reasons I won't go into because it's a little in the weeds, it didn't make sense to me a lot of the things that were happening. And the thing is, I turned out to be right. I turned out to be right when I thought it was unnecessary to have her born at a children's hospital. I turned out to be right that she would be fine when she was born. And I think a month later, finding out that I was wrong, and that she needed the procedure, and uh, some of the things we found out after, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And, And it's not because I was wrong. Like, this wasn't a matter of my ego, like, oh, I gotta be right, and now I'm wrong. I mean, like, given the gravity of the situation, my entire outlook of everything is going to be okay was absolutely shattered. And... The way the doctors and the nurses were speaking to me like I was an absolute idiot, it didn't help. And before this, I never had an issue with control. Like I felt like I got a pretty good grip on the fact that in this life, there are so many things, most things actually, that are completely out of your control. And all you can do is focus on the things that you can control and try your best. Well, I lost that. And I wanted to control that situation. Sure, all those other things I mentioned were annoying. YouTube failing, what are my brace, what are my basement, my car needing brakes, whatever. That's life. But when it came to my baby, I want I needed to know the future. And all I wanted to know, all I needed to know in that future was if she was gonna be okay. And the doctors, so many of them were great. But so many doctors tell you that you need to do this and you need to do that. And they're so doom and gloom. And things just didn't make sense to me. Things that seemed especially invasive or unnecessary for an adult, mind you, let alone a fucking newborn. And again, I'm not trying to get in the weeds with this specific situation, but here's a perfect example. And this is actually pretty cool if you've been following along with the the podcast because the hero in this story is actually a former guest. So when they said Juanita needed her shots, call me crazy, but I didn't think giving a six-pound baby that just had heart surgery a vaccine was the smartest thing in the world. Like, give the kid a week or two to have the anesthesia wear off, right? Like, f- First of all, you know, I, I asked if it's okay to do that, and they look at me like I'm an idiot for even wondering, and I want to be like, okay, first of all, how many vaccine trials have been done on babies that have just gotten anesthesia, let alone have just gotten this unique heart procedure done? So how can you confidently say it's totally fine? And second of all... If it's not going to hurt to wait a week or two, why won't we just wait a week or two? And they looked at me like I was a psychopath for even asking that question. So I texted Madeline, the virologist who I had on to talk about the vaccine that we aren't allowed to talk about. Someone who literally studied and created vaccines for a living alongside Dr. Fauci to give her credibility for anyone who might not like what she said. And I just wanted her perspective about the necessity of giving these vaccines to newborns at the schedule that they are not just recommending. They're like damn near shoving it down your throat. And she told me Juanita would have her mom's antibodies for another couple of months. If I feel uncomfortable doing it now, it's not going to make any difference if we wait. And listen, it should go without saying that you shouldn't take this as advice for your own medical needs or situation. And you should do your own medical research. But I share this because it was just one of the many instances and I I could go on and on and on where I felt like I was crazy and I felt like I was doing something wrong even at the even though at the same time I was asking questions and I was finding information that they couldn't answer and that they couldn't refute and most importantly I was doing all of this with the intent to do right by my baby where they made it out like they almost made me feel like a villain just because I wanted to wait a week to get a vaccine, you know? They, they they speak to you like you're an idiot, and they make it out to be like if you're not doing what they say, you're just being irresponsible and stupid. And I, I actually had a particular, I won't even say her position um, because it's pretty unique, uh, but she's, she said about as much to me. And I wanted to fucking kill that bitch. I know I I don't speak that harshly often. And I don't speak that harshly often because words are tools. And I like to use my words as tools when I need to. And so when I say I wanted to fucking kill that bitch, I, I, I don't think I had ever... I don't think I had... After what she said to me in that room... Uh, about how I, oh, I don't even, she basically told me that the way I was acting shows how little I care about Juanita and then proceeded to tell me what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to act as a father to my own daughter. I cannot tell you the last time I've been that mad in a public setting. Fortunately, I'm old enough to know that when I feel like that in a place like a hospital, it's in my best interest, it's in everyone's best interest for me to just totally shut down. And that's what I did. Because otherwise, I know I'd say and do some things that I would most certainly regret. Nothing that would land me in prison or anything like that, but uh, let's just say I doubt we'd be welcome back at that particular hospital. Ever. And it was actually, I was thinking about this the other day, the way it turned out with this particular woman, it was a nice little reminder on why it's important to handle things the way I did, to keep the peace when possible, to not worry about getting the last word, because you never know when you might need that person down the road. And a few weeks later, it turned out, I needed information that due to her specialty, due to her specific position, this woman was who I had to call. See, believe it or not, I'm a pretty smart guy. I know I don't present myself as such, given the way I speak and dress, but I am. And so when I wanted to figure out what the hell was going on with Juanita, and apparently, don't forget, myself, because they said it came from me, I set out to find out what the hell was going on with Juanita. And it's not impossible to read these academic papers and medical journals. It's just tedious because I'm not used to the lingo. So most of the time is spent Googling the words and phrases I don't understand and then applying it to what it says on the paper, just so it doesn't read like a different language, you know? But the actual science to it, the way the body works, is about as logical as the way a car runs. And nobody looks at car mechanics like they're some sort of infallible geniuses. So why do you think doctors are any different? So I went through mounds and mounds and mounds of research, enough to give myself an honorary degree in cardiology, and there was this little bit of information that I needed her thoughts on because it was pretty specific. Basically, I needed to cross-reference the information I was learning with the uh, meaning of uh, a test that we got. I couldn't figure it out myself, so I had to ask her. So I call her up. And this bitch says, I will never forget. I tell her that I'm researching and I have a question. And she says, what are you Googling? No, bitch. I'm fucking reading the same medical journals that you read when you got your degree. It's 2023. This stuff isn't exclusively kept in libraries anymore. Anyone with an internet connection can find it. It's like that Goodwill hunting quote. You can get yourself an education. You could have got the public library for a dollar twenty-five and late charges. Except now the quote is you could have got it with an internet connection and an email address to sign up for your free trial. That's such a bad Boston accent. But again, I did not say that. I kept it cordial. I played on the "I'm just trying to figure this stuff out" angle, and by the end of the call. She was admitting to me that she has a hard time with a lot of this jargon as well and can only take so much of it before she has to take a break. And you wonder why I'm taking the time to do my own research, lady! For the record, the question I was asking her was so in-depth that she didn't know the answer either off the top of her head and had to get back to me. In other words, I bet she had to look it up or ask somebody else herself. You know... (sighs) I watched Sutter Island again recently and I really resonated with that lady in the cave. For those who haven't seen the movie or those that forget, go watch it again because it is... That's a, that's a top... That might be a... I don't know about top 10. Definitely a top 20 movie for me. But in this movie, this woman uh, allegedly broke out of the insane asylum. And her thing was I broke out because I'm not crazy I never was crazy. They just condemned me because they didn't like what I was doing as a doctor. And what happens is when they call you crazy, any of your protests against that claim can be chalked up to you being crazy. And that's what I felt like on top of the very real and very scary anxiety of this kid being okay and and of me being okay. I was made to feel like I was crazy, like I was an idiot. I was made to feel like the questions I was asking and the protests I was making were that of a stupid person, of someone who doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like one of those instances when you're looking around and wondering how the hell other people aren't seeing what you're seeing, how the hell other people aren't seeing how nuts everything is, how things don't line up, but instead they're saying that you're the one that's nuts for looking at it like that. And then a lot of these doctors have an outlook that is nothing but doom and gloom, and it makes you fall into this trap of operating in fear, and that's never, ever a good place you want to be in. I think I said it at the start of this podcast, fear is such a weak emotion. That's why I despise it. I didn't come up with that. That's Lupe Fiasco, words I never said. Look it up. But anyway, I was struggling, man. I recognized that I'm very blessed to be able to say what I'm about to say, but I I would bet that I spent more days at the hospital since Juanita was born than in my entire adult life before that. My anxiety was through the roof. Like, an anxiety I've never experienced before. I was barely sleeping, and then when I did, I'd wake up in a panic checking on Juanita. And I think part of the reason it got so extreme was because of the fact that I was made to feel out like I was crazy, that I was made to feel out like I was stupid, that I was made to feel like all of my concerns and questions were being ignored or disregarded. Because it's one thing to have a problem. But it's a whole nother beast to feel like you're alone in the way that you're seeing that problem. And then I came across that post that I mentioned on Instagram. It was on the Explore page. I don't know if I was looking for something. Actually, I think I was trying to find a doctor to share some of my questions with, hoping I can get another opinion. But I'm sure the almighty algorithm operates so well that it knew of all the medical posts to put on my Explore page, this was the one that was right for me. I still can't believe I came across it. It had like four likes on a middle-aged woman's small account that might have had less than 100 followers. And if I recall correctly, it was a picture of some sort of MRI machine or some other sort of medical device. But what stuck out to me was her very long-winded caption. And I know most people get turned off by a caption that's more than three words. But when I see a paragraph in the caption section, I jump to it because I think, sweet, someone's got something to say. So this woman wrote about how she was angry. She was angry because she had gone to doctor after doctor telling them that she knew something was going on with her body. Something was wrong. And doctor after doctor made it out like she was crazy. Doctor after doctor told her she was imagining things, that it's just anxiety, that she should try meditation and get some rest. Finally, due to her persistence, they eventually did a brain scan and they found the tumor. If they had done it when she had first brought it to their attention, the treatment would have been much less invasive and much more helpful. But because they had waited so long, the tumor had spread and her prognosis was much more bleak. What resonated with me was the point of her post. She wasn't just complaining and feeling sorry for herself, even though she had every right to. The point of her post was that she was a doctor, a medical professional. And her point in sharing all of that was if she was a doctor and she was made out to feel crazy and stupid and discounted, how do you think somebody who isn't a medical professional might feel? And I mean, it it should come to no surprise how, how much and why that resonated with me. But that honestly, seeing that from a doctor kind of snapped me back to reality. It was like a sign from God almost, like a reminder, like, hey, man. This woman is feeling exactly the same way you feel, and she's a doctor. There's something about knowing that you're not the only one, that someone else is feeling the same way you're feeling, that's extremely powerful. And it honestly turned a corner from me. I started to get a grip on reality again, talking to family and friends that had solid insights and trying everything I could from positive thinking to meditation to. To get back how I was before I went fucking nuts. Back to remembering that, hey, most of life is a shot in the dark. And all you can do is try your best and hope it works out. And when it doesn't, have faith that you'll be able to figure it out and get through it. And that's why I wanted to share all this. The way that woman's post affected me, who knows. Maybe someone out there needs to be reminded that just because you feel like you're crazy and stupid and... Looking at things in a totally wrong way doesn't mean that you actually are. Just because you're going through it doesn't mean that there's not an end. And I doubt there'll be too many people in my very small audience that'll relate to this specific situation. But shit, I hope there's nobody that relates to it. But it's damn near impossible to go through this life without going through some shit. I think we all know that. And I figured if this world could break someone like me, someone who is... I'm not even a glass half full kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy that could be given a bone dry, completely empty glass. And I'd be grateful for the, for the fact that we got a glass that could one day be filled. If this world could break me, shit, I think it could happen to anybody. And that's okay. That's life, baby. We didn't sign up for it, but it's what we got. All you can do is try your best to take it a day at a time, step by step. There is a power in positive thinking, and I learned the hard way how a negative mindset can produce a very negative experience. That's one of the biggest things I took away from this. Uh, there's that quote. Um, I I forget who said it, but it goes, mm-hmm. "My life has been filled with so many terrible misfortunes." Mot- Most Man, I hate when I butcher things. I'm going to start this over because it's such a great quote. My life has been filled with so many terrible misfortunes, most of which only happened in my head. And that's what I realized about how I was operating, about my fears and my worries and my anxiety. They were all things that were only happening in my head. Sure, it's never fun to be in the hospital, and if I had a choice, I would not elect to have my newborn go under, of course. But when those things happen, they happen and they are done. The The horror is what happens in your head before and after the fact, the worst-case scenarios that usually never come to fruition but are alive in your imagination every second of every day. And the thing about life is, the thing that I realized, I don't know if it'll bring you comfort, but it's what finally just made me give it up to the Almighty. The thing about life is, one day, it's going to end for every single one of us. And when you look at life like that, it changes things. It makes all those other bad scenarios seem a little less bad. And what might be the most freeing thing about that realization is that you have to have faith that the worst case scenario isn't going to happen. You have to have faith that it's going to be okay. If not for any other reason, then the alternative sucks. The other way of looking at it, the way of believing things are not going to be okay, is not a fun way to live life. I'm going to die someday. We all are. I don't know if it's tomorrow or if it's 60 years from now, but I know two things. One, thinking about it doesn't change the outcome, and two... The time I spend thinking about it, worrying about it, stressing about it, takes away the from the very thing that I'm trying to preserve, and that's living a happy life. I hope to God this helped at least one person. Otherwise, what a waste. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of the solo podcast. Truth be told, I'm a little scared to share all this. Probably half the reason I'm sharing it, to be honest. Like I said, fear is such a weak emotion. That's why I despise it. When I'm afraid of something, I want to confront it. Plus, Juanita gave us a hell of a story, so it'd be rude to waste it, you know? She's doing great, by the way. One of these days, I'm sure you'll see her on the channel. Anyway, long story, very long. That's where I've been. Your boy lost it for a second there. But I've come back stronger and wiser than before. As for those other things... My basement is sealed. I changed my brakes and YouTube is still breaking my balls, but I just gave myself a crash course in cardiology. You think I'm gonna let the YouTube algorithm break me? Psh, I'm about to come back like Jordan wearing a four or five. If you guys are still here, I really appreciate you listening. Shit, if you made it this far, you may you you know more about this situation than some of my friends. That's not a reflection of them. I'm not saying I got Bad friends. I'm just saying uh it's a reflection of me. It's it's a weird thing to talk about, you know. I never want to bring it up. It's such a downer. You don't want to worry people. And when I am with my friends or family, I'd rather not relive it personally, you know. I'd just rather hang out and watch the Phillies. See what I did there? Brought it all the way back, baby. God damn it, I am such a good storyteller. Delivery hasn't been that great. This is my first you know, solo podcast. But thematically, thematically, I think the podcast is pretty sound. Anyway, what would the cheesesteaks with podcast be without a cheesesteak to try? Now, this is a cheesesteak that I hope none of you ever have to eat. But I kind of like this video because it reminds me that I really was keeping a positive attitude when I was in the thick of it in the beginning at, at least. Anyway, I feel like this has turned into a note for my future self for the next time I'm going through something. So I'll stop now. Thanks for listening.
1: We got a special edition of cheese steaks with as the Eagles are blowing it in the background. Apparently, this one right here is mine. Mom, dark hair, dark eyes. Me, dark hair when I had it, dark eyes. This one, blonde hair, light eyes. Gonna need a DNA test on that one. I watched the delivery even though I was told not to. The scary thing about that is, I didn't find it repulsive. Got me thinking I'm a bit of a psycho. On top of that, first time I held the baby, didn't have that knees buckle life changing moment that everyone talks about. I like to think when you watch this when you're older, don't get me wrong, but maybe I'm a bit of a psycho, who knows? But that's neither here nor there. The important thing is when it came to be meal time, you know I had to order a cheesesteak. So for the official AI DuPont cheesesteak review, right off the bat, it's not the biggest steak in the world. Rolled, nice and soft. The package isn't too bad, the steak looks good. But when it comes to value, it's free. So you can't beat that. The meat's good, it's a little dry, the rolls soft. As far as the cheese, the only coverage worse is the Eagles secondary in the second half. They were winning 14-0. All in all, I do not recommend if you're in the Philly area to go to A.I. DuPont and order a cheesesteak. However, I do have to say the nurses and the staff here have provided a Chick-fil-A level of service. So just on that alone, I got to give A.I. DuPont a 10 out of 10. Do not recommend the cheesesteak, but shout out to them and shout out to anybody, whoever has to eat hospital food. Just know if you're watching this, I'm rooting for you.